What do you think would happen if we totally yielded everything to God? Instead of just going through the motions, the, the redundancy over and over, the monotony of just going through the motions. What if we had truly yielded to God and gave God our past, our present, and our future, you know? Um, well, let me say before we get into our lesson uh, this morning, I want to thank everybody who was part of our Apple Harvest uh, Festival parade last week. You know, we celebrated our 36th, 37th uh, anniversary of being here at Faith Living Church. Um, and uh, everybody who was there, we had a float. You know, uh, our worship team was on that. I was driving the Hummer, pulling the float, so I could see people ahead of me. And they could hear the music before they could see our float because there was other floats ahead of us. And when they heard the music, you could see them, you know, kind of being impacted by it. And then they're looking and they're expecting and then they see a church float. You know, it's like, how can that be? I mean, it wasn't like funeral music or something like that, you know. But uh, I just saw the emptiness of so many people's faces and they were just hungry or something. So many people need God in this day and time. And uh, those of you who were involved in whatever aspect, all the preparations as we celebrated, the thousands of people who heard and saw us on the float and the hundreds of people who were behind our float wearing, you know, Faith Living Church, Church It Makes a Difference, shaking people's hands. Little Nathan Tuma, I mean, he must have turned 10 zillion somersaults. The guy was amazing, you know, as he's going through there. But it was just an awesome time. You made a difference. You really made a difference. And you touch people's lives. I just want to say thank you for that. The uh, song we just listened to, you know, I don't want to go through the motions, you know. I mean, I think everybody deep down inside wants to make a difference. You want your life to count for something that's significant, you know. So we want to continue along this theme this morning, making a difference, making a difference together. Um, but what I'd like to do is read one verse from our lesson last week when we were talking about the church. And uh, let me just read that as we, we launch out this morning. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, oh yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, Forgot to tell you something. I told you, you know, we're going to put an elevator in here. And I hoped you had all the information. It just, you know, it, you have to be patient in this kinds of stuff. And, and blueprints and architects and approvals and all that kinds of stuff. I don't really know the total what it's going to cost yet. But I told you, I let you know. You just continue to be praying, what would God have you to give? How can you be involved in assisting people who need assistance with a little elevator that's going to get in here. And some people misunderstood me last week and they thought I was going to put two bathrooms, two restrooms in the elevator. And uh, there's going to be one at the top of the stairs and there's going to be one at the, the bottom of the stairs, but not in the elevator itself, okay? Just so you understood that. All right. So that, I'll, I'll probably have all the details for, for you uh, next week, but just be praying, you know, uh, what can you do? And I'd really like you to hear from God. Like, what do you want me to give, Lord, to bring this elevator in so people can get in our building again? All right, 
So Matthew 16, getting back to the verse, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he asked them, and I believe if you're hearing from God, you could hear God asking you the same question. And he says, then he asked him, he says, but who do you say I am? Who do you say? Do you, well, Jesus is a really good guy. He's a really good teacher. He's a prophet or some noble person, you know. Is that who you think? It says here, then he asked him, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, he says, you are the Messiah. You're the promised deliverer. You are the promised savior of the world. That's what Peter said, the son of the living God you are. And Jesus replied, he says, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. This did not come from human beings, you know, the only way you could possibly recognize that I am the Messiah, the Son of the living God, is my Father revealed it to you. Verse 17, Jesus replied, You are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter. The Greek word here is Petros, which means rock which means a large piece of rock taken off of a huge, massive rock, you know, like a mother rock, if you would. And he says, I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, Petros, large piece of rock, and upon this rock, the Greek word there is Petra, which means a huge, massive, the mother rock, like the rock of Gibraltar. He says, I will build my church. He says, Peter, you know, which means rock, and upon this rock, this massive rock, which Jesus was referring to himself, he says, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. See, there's a lot of people who just read that at surface value, and they thought that Jesus was saying, I'm going to build my church on Peter's. But that's not what he said. He says, Peter, you're a rock. You're a large piece of rock. But upon this rock, he was referring to himself and, and, and his living word and the revelation of who he was, he says, and upon this rock, referring to himself, I will build my church. And what does he say here? And the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church was built upon Jesus Christ, not upon Peter. Peter was awesome, and, and he's great, and he has his place, but Jesus built his church upon himself. That's what he says. And then the last part of our little review in verse 19, it says, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And that's not just when you get to heaven. He says, I'm going to give you the keys, the keys. And we understand these keys. They unlock things. There's things right now that God wants you to access. He wants you to have. He wants you to access. And, and keys lock things that are very valuable. And there's great, awesome, fantastic, wonderful things of grace and mercy and answers to prayer and 
turning the lights on where there's places of darkness, that God wants us to use his keys. Some people don't even know there are keys. And, and if they have them, they, they're like laid on the chest of drawer. They don't use them. But Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, and the powers of, of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And uh, what we should be doing is researching and discovering those keys and accessing what's behind those keys, what those keys unlock for us now, not just when we die and go to heaven uh, one day. Well, the church that Jesus says, I'm going to build, the church is the people, people who are alive with new life. Now, A.W. Tozer said, 100 religious persons, and I'm going to make a distinction, religious persons versus persons who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He said, 100 religious persons knit together in a unity by careful organization do not constitute a church any more than 11 dead men make a football team. Because if you're organized, but you're spiritually dead, you don't have a relationship with Christ, though you, you have a lot of religiosity to you, but that's not the church that he was building. He said, the church that he built is active and it's alive and, and it's thriving and it's growing. It's not just a bunch of organized, spiritually dead people, you know. Romans chapter 14, verse 19 says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church. Because see, harmony makes a difference. Now, do you ever aim at something? Now, when we, we think of aiming a gun, maybe a BB gun, a pistol, a rifle, a bow and arrow, you know, how many ever ever aim a, a basketball? You aim a tennis ball or you aim a baseball, you know? There's a lot of things that we aim at on a daily basis. How many of you got in your automobile today and you aimed it this way? <laughs> you know, what happens if you don't aim your car? You call the record to pull you out of the ditch. So we understand aiming at something. You have a goal that you're trying to hit, uh, you know, that, that you're shooting for. And he says here in his word, so then let us aim. Let us aim for harmony in the church because it's harmony that makes a difference. Harmony is much more powerful than I think we, we often realize. Um, cooperation will solve many of the problems that we deal with. Now, is there anybody here, if, you, if I don't mean to embarrass you, but has anybody here got freckles? Okay, we got freckles, all right? Quite a few freckles here. All right, this is awesome what I'm going to tell you, okay? Freckles are amazing. You know that, right? Well, according to the article I read, it says even freckles would be a nice tan if they would get together. Does that make sense? So the Bible tells us to aim for harmony. Harmony in the church. A.W. Tozer went on to say, 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork 
and you know what a tuning fork is. You go to any music store, has a little handle, and it has two little prongs come up. You hit it on your hand, boom, and you'll hear it. You'll hear it. If you stick it to your guitar, a hollow body guitar, it goes, you can hear it really loud, honestly. And it's, it's, it's an A. And then you, you get a piano or a guitar over here, and they tune their instrument to the, to the tuning fork. And, and it's perfect, perfect pitches right where it ought, ought to be. But now if there's another piano or a guitar tunes to that instrument, and then this instrument tunes to that instrument that tune to that instrument, and then this instrument tunes to that instrument that tune to that instrument that tune to that instrument that tune to the tuning fork, and you can just continue going on and on and on and on and on, way, way, way over here. By the time you get over here, you may not be completely, totally in tune. But if all the instruments, instead of tuning to somebody else, they tune to the tuning fork, they would all be 100% perfectly in harmony, if you think about this, you know. A hundred believers looking to Jesus, and imagine Jesus is the tuning fork. A hundred believers looking to Jesus will be in harmony, and they'll work closer together than just by trying to get them to be like each other. They'll say, hey, listen, guys, y'all work really hard to be like each other, Okay. So what are you going to have for dinner today? I'm not sure. Well, let me know so we can all be like each other and eat the same thing, wear the same kind of clothes. And I mean, listen, that's not going to really make us like each other, is it? But if, if we look to Jesus and we study his word and learn his values and apply those things to our life, you and me are going to be in real harmony together because I'm reading the same book. You know, I'm, I'm trying to tune my life to him. And everybody who's trying to tune their life to him will discover how much harmony they are in with all the other of God's people. And there's great room for diversity in all of this. Uh, let me read this again, Romans 14, 19. It says, so then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Try to build each other up. There's a tendency that we're always tearing somebody down. And how do we do it often? With our words. You know, some cutting remark, pulling somebody down, tearing somebody down. But the Bible says, aim for harmony in the church. And that's amongst the people and try to build each other up. Now, this harmony, there is differences. Have you noticed there's a difference between you and other people? You know? There are differences, and, and these differences are not intended to separate us, but the differences that we have is intended, to be honest with you, to draw us together. Now, let me just see here. I have something in my bag. Now, I'm not sure what picture is on this, you know. I hope it's something good, you know. What is it? I can't tell. What is it? Oh, a fly. Awesome. That's an awesome picture. Fly fisherman. Woohoo! Wonder how I got that. But look, 
Look at the edges. It's white thread and black thread and red and yellow and blue and green and kind of some little purple or something there. All those individual different threads, when they're in harmony, can make a beautiful tapestry, can it not? I mean, so there's awesome room in the body of Christ for diversity who are pursuing harmony. God doesn't want just a great big old black tapestry up here. What's the beauty in that only? Or purple or orange or pink or whatever. But he loves the diversity of the black and the white and the red and yellow and green and purple and all, all those things blended in together. We should probably make a place to hang this and leave it here all the time to inspire me, you know? As a young girl... She was telling her grandmother that she and her three playmates, and she's just a little thing, you know. She was telling her grandmother that she and her three playmates all attended different churches. And then she said, it really doesn't matter if we go to different churches, does it, Grandma? Just as long as we're all Republicans, right, Grandma? <laughs> well, some folks put much more importance on political unity than they do on spiritual unity of being one with Christ and with the body of Christ and having harmony and he told us to aim at harmony and he told us to try to build each other up is what he says now Psalms 133 verse 1 it says how wonderful he's talking about how magnificent how breathtaking how wonderful, how amazing, how fantastic is what he's, what he's saying here when he says how wonderful it is, how pleasant. And he's saying here with pleasant, he's saying how enjoyable, how pleasing and how satisfying. That's just what he's saying in this passage, how wonderful it is and how pleasant when brothers, and brothers is talking about sisters as well, he's talking about believers. How wonderful it is and how pleasant when believers, when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. When we live together in harmony. Now, does anybody remember how we spell cooperation? The abbreviated version of cooperation? Those are really good tries. <laughs> Let me spell it for you. W-E. We made a difference at Vacation Bible Adventure this year by reaching over 600 kids for Christ. We are going to put an elevator in here. That's cooperation. I can't do it all and you can't do it all but the cooperation of us and the we factor, we can do so much together. When we aim to be in harmony and we try to build each other up in the midst of it all, that kind of cooperation, it makes a difference. First Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, 
Oh, wait a minute. I'm not done with Psalms 133 yet, am I? It's a good thing we're all here and you're keeping me straight. <laughs> let, me, let me read it again. It says, How wonderful it is and how pleasant when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious. Precious means extremely valuable. You understand that? Precious metals, precious stones. This is what we're talking about here. For harmony, it is as precious as the fragrant anointing oil. Now, this anointing oil was very rare and very expensive, very valuable. It was a concoction of all kinds of herbs and spices and oils that they would use to anoint a king with. Rare. Unimaginable expensive. And they would anoint a priest with it. And it says, For harmony is as precious as the fragrant anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head and that ran down his beard onto the borders of his robe. What he's trying to tell us here is the same anointing that's upon the head of the church, the same anointing that is upon Christ that runs down the body is the same anointing that is on the him. You remember a very, 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 very sick woman in the Bible? She came and she touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and what happened? She was miraculously, instantly healed and made whole. The same anointing that was upon Jesus' head was upon the hem. And when you and I are in harmony with God and with other believers, the same anointing that is upon Jesus is now upon you when we're in harmony. Did you know there's a verse in the Old Testament that says there's seven things that God hates? And the last one of the seven, it says he hates those who sow discord amongst the brethren. Those who are trying to divide by little snippets or little nips at each other, little gossips. God hates those who sow discord, who divide his family up. But he tells us harmony, oh, it's wonderful. It is so pleasant when we're in harmony together. Harmony is as, as precious as is the rarest anointing oil. And harmony brings the anointing that is upon Christ. It brings it to the, 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 to the little toe. Harmony brings the anointing that is upon Christ, who is the head of his church. It brings his anointing upon you and me. No matter who we are in the body of Christ, when we're in harmony, his anointing is upon you to, to make a difference, to make your life count, to change things. For the better is, is what he's telling us here. Now, just for a little distraction, I won't go too far here, but just a, a little, little tiny footnote. I'm going to ask, you know, how valuable is harmony in marriage, you know? Very, 
Very, very big. Okay. All right. Thank you. Four? For, uh, I'm just going to read a verse or two, then we'll get back on course here. First uh, Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it says, In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat her with understanding. Now, I know that ladies are hard to understand. You know, I understand that. Oh, Susan's not in here. <laughs> Probably after she heard me say this at the last service, she decided not to come. I don't know. No, I'm teasing. She's in the nursery helping out because they need a hand back in the nursery. I, I'm not being mean, guys. I mean, Susan's talking about something, and I'm paying really a lot of attention. And then she get, changes gears. But she don't tell me she's changing gears. She continues talking. I'm thinking she's talking about this. But now she's talking about this, and then she changes gears two or three more times. And I'm going, what in the world are we talking about? I'm over here. She's a... So I don't totally understand her quite, you know. I'm not even sure that God does. But I, <laughs> but I love her, and would give my life for her. Now, you know we're having this little fun here, right? But it says, in the same way, you husbands, what's that next word? In the same way, you husbands must. This is not an option, guys. You must give honor to your wives and treat her with understanding. As you live together, she may be weaker than you are. And I always have to add this when I read this verse because this is what I think. She may be weaker than you are. But she might not be weaker than you are, and she may get you if you don't do it right. You know what I'm saying? She may be weaker than you are, but she is lower than you. So it says? She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. She is your equal partner, not beneath you, she is your equal partner. She is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. And if you don't treat her as you should, as an equal partner, your prayers will not be heard. Now, guys, if you're praying for a new fly rod, <laughs> you're praying for a boat or a raise, nah, forget it if you are not honoring her. You got to be in harmony, you see. God tells us, and even more, you're praying for your family, somebody's sick, something's going on, and you really need to get through to God. Well, then you need to be honoring her and treating her as an equal partner in God's gift of new life. Because, see, harmony attracts the blessings of God upon you. Harmony. I mean, it's powerful and life-changing. And we must pursue harmony in our family. He goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31, it says, As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Someone once said, One of the best things about marriage is that neither has to be always right or always strong, or always first, or always smart. But between the two, you find that you can handle almost anything when you're in harmony, 
When you're in harmony, you can handle just about anything that life throws at you when you're in harmony. I'm telling you, harmony makes a difference, and that's why God told us to aim at harmony in the church and try to build each other up. That's what he tells us to do. Okay, I'm going to read verse 3 there in Psalms 133, but let me just read verse 1 and 2 as I go into verse 3. So it says, How wonderful it is and how pleasant when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the fragrant anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard onto the borders of his robe. Verse 3 says, Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. There you go. What's the big deal about dew? How refreshing is dew, you know? Think about that for just a moment. Well, see, a dew drop does the will of God as much as a thunderstorm does. Did you know that? Did you know there are places on this earth that never, ever experience rain? Not a drop. But it has plant life and vegetation and vegetables and fruit although it never rains. Now, I learned many years ago, because I love studying survival kinds of stuff, you know, and uh, I learned many years ago that if you're in a dry desert kind of place, now, you, you probably don't have a towel like this with you. I mean, I have a little chamois cloth. You know, it's very lightweight. It's highly absorbent that I have in my backpack. I always have it with me. And... Um, if you're in a, a, a really dry, deserty kind of place, you know, well, let me ask you here. How many of you have ever walked out really early in the morning at the crack of dawn outside around in your yard with your tennis shoes on? What happened to your sneakers? They got soaked. Let me tell you, if, if you're in a dry region, you can go out and you can just wipe this all over the grasses that are out there and you can absorb gallons of water and then wring it out into your canteen. You can wipe it over the, the little shrubs and the bushes there, and you can absorb gallons of water in a pretty short time in the early morning, even in a place that it never rains, and you can survive. Does that make sense? Because there's some parts of our world in which the plants are watered, like, you know, Mount Hermon here. Harmony is as refreshing. It's only water they get as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And the Lord has pronounced his blessing. You know, even life forevermore. But the Lord has pronounced his blessing in that place called harmony. God has commanded when you're in harmony with, with the body of Christ, when you're in harmony in your family, God has commanded a blessing to be upon you, a refreshing blessing. He's commanded it, demanded a blessing on your life when you are aiming for harmony. And you can understand everything would die. It don't rain there, but if it wasn't for the heavy dew that came, you know, everything would die. But God's figured it out, and, and, and it has dew. And, and you and I should do what God wants us to do and not do what he don't want us to do. So remember the lesson about do. Okay? We'll do. Awesome. 
you got it. Okay. Some missionaries in the Philippines, they set up a croquet game. You know, the little uh, hammer thing there, the, what you call that? The mallet. And you got a wooden ball, you got these little wickets, and you got the stake in the ground, and it goes all over the yard. So, so some missionaries in the Philippines, they set up a croquet game in their front yard, and several of their, their native neighbors became interested, and they wanted to join in the fun. So the missionaries explained the game and started them out, each with a mallet and a ball. As the game progressed, opportunity came for one of the players to take advantage of another by knocking that person's ball out of the court. A missionary explained the procedure, but his advice only puzzled his native friend. And, and his native friend said, why would I want to knock his ball out of the court, he asked. So you will be the one to win, the missionary said. The short statued man, clad in only a loincloth, he shook his head in bewilderment. See, competition is generally ruled out in a hunting and gathering society where people survive not by competing, but by sharing equally in every activity. Well, the game continued, but no one followed the missionary's advice. And when the players, when a player successfully got through all the wickets, the game was not over for him because he went back and he gave aid and advice to his fellows. He coached them. And as the final player moved toward the last wicket, the affair was still very much a team effort. And finally, when the last wicket was played, the team shouted triumphantly, we won, we won. See, our tendency is to shout out, I won, I won. But I like the lesson we learned from that story is that the we factor, we accomplish so much more together than we do independently as a solo. Romans chapter 12 verse 4 says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. Hang on a second. Think about your automobile. I wrote down just a list of things so I wouldn't forget them, but think about your automobile as you came to church this morning. Has a steering wheel. How many of you have a steering wheel in your car? <laughs> just about everybody. You got a steering wheel. How many of you got brakes? You got brakes, you got the pedals, you know, you got a transmission. Even if you don't know you have one, you have a transmission. You have a fuel pump, an oil pump, a water pump. You got pistons, a crankshaft, alternator, carburetor, distributor, spark plugs, gas tank, radiator, electrical system, cables. You got lights and signals, and the list just goes on and on and on. Do you like it when all the different components of your automobile are in harmony? That way you don't have to walk, right? When they're in harmony and they're working together, it's awesome. Well, imagine how automobile works and then imagine our own bodies. <coughs> he says here, <coughs> excuse me, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a <coughs> special function. <coughs> he goes on to say, Verse 5, so it is with Christ's body. And that's us. 
We are all parts of his one body. We're talking about teamwork here. And each of us has different work to do. And I don't know if you understood this or not, but every member of the body of Christ is a minister. You understand what the word minister means? Servant. We, as members of the body of Christ, are ministers. We serve. We serve God and we serve one another. And he says here, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of his one body, one body, and each of us has different work to do. And the great command and the great commission does not go just to the pastor, but it goes to the whole body of Christ. It goes to the whole church. It really does, you know. It's in your job description, not just mine. And the word team, T-E-A-M. The T stands for together. The E stands for each. And the A stands for accomplishes. And the uh, M stands for... More. Together, each accomplishes more. When we work together, we accomplish so much more than we, we work as a solo. When we just do it independently of anybody else, we're just doing it on our own, you know. Uh, think about it. You, you got a ball game going on, you know. Now, if somebody passes a, a football, a guy, he jumps up in the air, you know, four foot off the ground, and all these little guys are working together and grabs that football and it dances around, and he grabs it, and he comes back down to planet Earth. He, he does a little bit of a, a jog there. He steps across the line. Touchdown! Who's the guy who threw him the ball? But what was his name? <laughs> you were prepared. Did you talk to the guy who said the same thing in the last service? But who threw the ball? Was that important? Who trained him how to throw a ball? Who was running interference? Who was blocking the other guys who was trying to get the ball? Who was blocking the guy who was trying to kill the man with the ball? Was it an independent deal or was it a team? There was a massive team, teamwork and operation, and they won the game because of the team, because of the we factor you see here. See, every day your heart beats 104,178 times. And you wonder why you were so tired at the end of the day, you know? Your blood travels 171,000 miles a day. You breathe 23,172 times, inhaling 430 cubic feet of air. You move 752 major muscles, and you exercise 8 million brain cells. And you do this every day. And as I said, and then you wonder why you're so tired at the end of the day, you know. But all that's been doing, you know, it's working as a team. It's, it's in harmony. It allows you to walk. You know, uh, we, we stand amazed when you get a little dog that can stand on one's hind legs and dance around, and we applaud. And we, but we do it all the time. I mean, it's just balancing that, and we do it quite well. All the time. And all these components inside of us are working well when they're in harmony. And it gives us great freedom when we're all together in harmony, you see here. Well, let me uh, read that verse again, verse 5, Romans 12. Verse 5 says, So it is with 
Christ's body. We're all parts of his one body, and each of us has a different work to do. And since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other, and each of us needs all the others. We really do. Rivers gain more attention than the little streams that create them. You can name the great rivers of the world, but you cannot name the little tributaries. However, without the tributaries, there would be no river. It must be remembered, too, that the smaller streams, while less well-known, are pure and found on the higher elevations. Some of our lives are tributary lives, if you think about it. It is our role to provide the purer water from the higher elevation that enables another to be a mighty river of power and influence. All those little springs bubbling up in the high elevations in the mountains, trickling down through the mountains, these little tributaries, all of them uniting together in harmony, making an awesome, powerful river. See, it's teamwork is what we're talking about here. Teamwork. Now, a Christian without a church... And some people think, well, that's just pretty common. But a Christian without a church is like an awesome athlete without a team. He works out. He's got tremendous physique. All these muscles are just fine-tuned together. But he's not part of any team. He's looking to play with anybody, you know, for a short season. He sees a nursery school out playing in the back. Hey, can we play football together, guys, you know? No. See, we need, he says, aim for harmony in the church and, and try to build each other up. We need to be part of God's team so we can make a difference. We, we need each other. We really, we really do. You know, you need all four tires on your car. You really do. I was driving one time, and there was a lady in the other lane coming this way, and I saw her front tire come off of her car. It started acting funny, and that tire passed her car, you know, as she slid sideways, kind of trying to run into me, and then slid off into the ditch. She wasn't hurt, but it frightened the tractor trailer there, and, and a tractor trailer jackknife trying not to hit her and dumped, and I believe it was, you know, a million pounds of dog food all over the road. You need all four tires on your car. And one in the trunk, okay? And once you use the one that's in the trunk, fix it. Have you ever went to open your trunk and your spare was flat? You want your team to be functioning really well together. You really do. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 11 says, And on a cold night... Two under the same blanket can gain warmth from each other, but how can one be warm alone? Now, uh, a buddy of mine, a friend of mine, good friend of mine, he called me yesterday. It was, it was what triggered my thoughts along this line. Ken Justice, and uh, just a tremendous fellow. He was a part of our church for years, him and his whole family, as he was going through medical school. And uh, he became a doctor while he was here, and he has his own practice down in Tennessee now for many years. But uh, we went camping, and, and Ken was uh, well-versed in how to kind of live out in the wild and things like that, but not in a cold climate. Now, I had to do a lot of study about survival in the cold climates as well. 
And so uh, he and his son, and, and I took Judah with me, and we went up to the northwest corner of Connecticut. And when we got there, uh, we parked on the side of the road, and we were hiking in where we were going to camp that night. And there had been a lot of picnic tables there, but you couldn't find them anymore because the snow was deeper than the picnic table. Okay? We found this little three-sided shelter that's on the Appalachian Trails and things like that, and we uh, scrounged around and found just a little bit of dry wood and got a fire going, had our dinner, and then we settled in for the night. And Ken had given the winter-rated sleeping bag to his son and the better socks and boots to his son. And, uh, you know, he'll just endure kind of cold. But during the middle of the night, when his feet became totally numb, I saw him, he woke me up, you know, with the noise. He was trying to get a fire started, and he couldn't because all the wood that was around was all green. Well, I had taken ROTC three years in high school. You know, it was just a military kind of a training thing. And I understood the buddy system. So I summed up the situation there. I unzipped my jacket and put his bare feet in my armpits. And you're going, ooh. Let me tell you, when you're out in zero temperature and your feet are numb, you go, where's them armpits at? <laughs> and we defrosted his, his feet, and I took these wool liners out of my boots and put them on his feet there, and we got him all warmed back up. But see, and even many of you know, Judah, my oldest son almost died of hypothermia and if he had been camping alone he, he would have died but there was the we factor there that revived him and by the time the ambulances found us deep in the woods you know uh, we had already revived him see we need each other we genuinely need each other and it says in Ecclesiastes and on a cold night two under the same blanket can gain warmth from each other, but how can one be warm alone? Hmm. You, you, you've seen a, a charcoal grill, the little black biscuits there, you know? You light them. If you reach in with some tongs and you put it over on, one of them on a, a stone, it quickly goes out. But you pick it back up, you put it back in the fire, it begins to glow red again. We need each other. We really do. It goes on to say in Ecclesiastes 4.12, it says, a person standing alone <clears throat> can be attacked and defeated. You're standing alone. You can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And it goes on to say in a three or even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. The Bible tells us about King David when he was in a battle and, and they were all so thirsty and David, they weren't too far away from him. He said, oh, I remember the well that's over there. Oh, it would be so awesome to have a, a drink of cool water from that well. Three of his warriors heard him. And the Bible says they got back to back, three guys back to back. They fought through the other warriors. They got a bucket of water from the well. They fought their way back through it. And said, David, because they respected him so much, he said, here's the water from your well. And he said, how can I drink this? This represents your blood. You guys could have died. And he said, this is not a, uh, this is to honor you guys, but I can't drink it. And he, he made a little altar of stone. He poured it out and said, God, you're the only one who's worthy to receive what they did for me here. But you, you see, 
back to back, they were protecting each other. One guy alone would have never survived the whole deal. And he says here, verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer, three or even better, for a triple braided cord <clears throat> is not easily broken. Romans 15, 5 says, God, may God who gives this patience and encouragement, patience and encouragement is two important things for harmony. <clears throat> may God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony. Help you, may God help you live in complete harmony with each other with the attitude of Christ, Jesus towards the other. Now what's Jesus' attitude toward you? Does he love you? Does he forgive you? Does he just nag you? Never. But he's always there to help us and to share his mercy and his grace with us, to forgive us. And that's the way we need to be if we're going to try to build others up and we're aiming for harmony. We need to have the attitude that Christ has toward us. We need to have that toward other people. In Colossians 3.14 it says, and the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And it's the harmony that makes the difference. As we're a team working together. In a NCAA basketball final four playoffs in Dallas, a coach was asked, why has your team done so well? He said, well, we have a motto for our team. And this is the motto. Good people do for themselves. Great people do for others. Hmm. He says, we don't have anyone who selfishly think he has to do everything. Or that he has to make a basket every time he comes down the court, as some people think. We have a team that says great people do for others. That is, let's get everybody involved. See, that builds harmony. It's not like, hey, I'm doing it solo. No, we're doing a symphony. We're all working together. In the book of John 17, verse 11, it says, Now I am departing the, the world. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. No, actually, this is Jesus praying to his father. He says, Now I am departing the world, and I am leaving them behind disciples and coming to you holy father keep them and care for them all those that you've given me so that they will be united that's harmony so they'll be united just as we are jesus is one with his father he's in harmony with his father and says father cause them to be in harmony with each other and with us you know that's what he's talking about here um how many disciples did Jesus have? Well, there was 12, you know, original ones there. You know, but his, his team has greatly grown. You're part of it. I don't know if you're like number 8 million or billion or whatever, but his team has grown, and you and I are part of God's team now. In, in, in the book of Romans chapter 12, this is the verse I was trying to get to. Romans 12, 6, it says, God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. Did you hear that? God has given each of us. And when you think, well, he hasn't given, he left me out. The truth is God has given each of us the ability to do certain things well. 
Now, would you help me out for just a moment? If you would look to your neighbor and just point your finger at them and, and say to them, you do certain things well. Tell them that. You, 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 you. You guys watching online, you up in the balcony, you downstairs in the overflow in the cafe, you do certain things well. God said so. Now, there are some people who don't know that. Little housewife, she goes, I don't really do anything. Well, I'm just a housewife. I'm cleaning the house all the time. I'm fixing the meals, taking care of everybody. And, and the kids and dad goes, she does meals. She does well. She's awesome. She just says, this is life. But God gave her the ability to turn those ingredients to an absolute feast. You know what I'm talking about? What time are we coming over today, as a matter of fact? But I'm telling you, God says, he has given each of you, he did it, has given each of you the ability to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out when you have faith that God is speaking through you. If your gift is that of serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, do a good job of teaching. If your gift is to encourage others, do it. If you have money, share it generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, the deal is, is this. Uh, if, if you don't know what your spiritual gifts are, uh, in our life groups, you know, this fall, we're going we're to be focusing on, on your spiritual gifts. And in the life groups, we're going to have spiritual gifts tests and try to help you discover some spiritual gifts. And, and your spiritual gifts change from time to time because you change and situations in your life change. So, so as time progresses, we'll, we'll tell you more about that and get in a life group for at least a short season to go through this spiritual gifts test that we do. And it's not really a test. You can't fail or nothing like that, but you, it helps you identify your spiritual gifts and how you might be uh, best to, to serve there. Well, there was a man, and he called his neighbor to help him move a couch that had become stuck in the doorway. And they pushed and they pulled and they pushed and they pulled, they pushed and they pulled until he was exhausted. I mean, just totally exhausted. But the couch wouldn't budge. Forget it, the man finally said. We'll never get it in. The neighbor looked at him quizzically and said, In? Some of you will get that around dinner time tonight. <laughs> he was trying to get it in. The neighbor was trying to help him get it out. Well, Amos 3.3 explains that story quite well. It says, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? You can't. You, you, you got to be in harmony. Well, we're going to go west. No, I'm going east. You've got to agree on the direction if you're going to be in harmony together. Well, we're just about done here. Um, did I ask y'all about dressing this morning? Did I ask y'all that question? I didn't? How many put your clothes on this morning when you got up? It's pretty obvious that you did, you know. And your, your clothes are made of hundreds, thousands of individual threads. 
Right? All in harmony, all connected together. And, and many of your clothes are very expensive. They're awesome. They make you look good. You know? But it's, would an individual thread do the same thing? I don't think so. But all of those threads connected together made beautiful clothes for you. And people may come, oh, wow, that's so nice. Or I bet that keeps you warm and all and so forth and so on. And, and, and we, we forget, though, that it's, it's not just a shirt or a blouse. There's thousands of threads that are in harmony connected together. Now, many years ago, I believe the guy who made this for me is with Jesus now. But he actually made this. Uh, and, it, and it wasn't a kit. It wasn't a kit. He just took boards and he cut little slivers out and polished and sanded and cut little grooves and all. He made every piece of that from just raw materials. You know, it's just a little sailboat. And it's pretty cool, but you've probably seen sailboats even more elaborate with hundreds of sails, right? All these sails stretching a beautiful thing to behold. And all those little sails, hundreds of sails on some of those massive sailboats, they all do their part to catch the wind. But the sail is made out of thousands of individual threads that have been connected in harmony. And all those connected in harmony make the little sail. And there's another sail, another, another. And there's quite a few big sails there. But what they, they do, when you hoist the sails, you catch the wind of God's spirit. And then we sail the seven seas. We do what we were created to do. You know, we weren't created to bob up and down in the harbor. We were created to sail the seven seas of life, if you would. Reach your full potential, but you'll never reach your full potential on your own as a solo. We need the body of Christ. We need one another. And as we surrender and we hoist, I mean, how did that, how did that song go? I don't want to be thinking about this the rest of my life. What if I had, what if I had given everything? If I just surrendered to God and say, your will be done in my life. And you want me to interact, you want me to be connected in harmony. You want me to aim at harmony with the body of Christ. You want me to work at building other people up when they're a little bit down. When we're in harmony, we, we can access the power of Almighty God versus just bobbing up down there in the harbor by ourselves, not accomplishing our full potential at all. And I cannot challenge you enough. I know deep in every heart there's a desire to make a difference to make your life count, to reach your full potential, to do what God created you to do. And it is together. God never intended us to go solo. He always intended us to be well-connected in harmony. That's what makes the difference. That's where God has commanded his blessing in harmony. That's the part that's refreshing like the dew. It, it is so life-changing, like that anointing oil. When we're in harmony, oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's, it's pleasing. It's, it's awesome. So let's strive to pursue that. Let's bow our heads if we could. Father, thank you so much for giving us your word. It just gives us such illumination. It turns on the light. It encourages us and it helps us to get to know you and your ways so much better. And Father, we ask that the things that we've studied here today the keys that we're learning, that you would help us to apply that this week, to apply it to our life, to, to
to turn those keys and unlock those treasures and access those things that you want functioning in our life now as we're learning to aim at harmony, as we're learning to build each other up and to, to access and receive your great blessings. Bless those in this service here, Father. And again, those who are online, those who are watching from other parts of the country, bless each and every one and help us to find our place and discover the abilities that you've given to each of us and to use them in a way that brings honor and glory to you. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm your faith in Christ. Or maybe you're here today and you've never, you know, ever even expressed having faith in Christ. But would you open your heart and receive him if you've never done that before as we reaffirm our faith together? Can we join our faith right now? And I want you to pray with me together, out loud together. Would you, would you join me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe you love me. I believe you've got a plan. I believe you've got a purpose for my life. And I believe the best is yet to come. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe he died in my place to wash all my sins away. I believe he rose from the dead and he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open that door wide and I welcome Jesus into my life as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. May your will be done in me and through me. I give you everything in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. On your connections card, if you choose to agree to it, it just simply gives you a challenge. And if you agree to the challenge, check it off and drop it in the tithe box. It simply says, this week, I'm aiming for harmony and to build others up, knowing that unity attracts the blessings of God. If that's you, check it off, drop it in the tithe box. If you prayed with me just now to welcome Christ in your life, please stop at the Connections desk, pick up a little uh, gift bag that we have for you there has a Bible and some other little things I believe would inspire your faith. And all of you who are guests with us today, stop back there. We have a little gift for you. One of our ways of saying thanks for coming. I hope you come back. There'll be people around the, there'll be people over here close to the fly fisherman in just a moment who would love to pray with you. And one of the keys that they've learned is how to pray. So if you have a need, please take advantage of them praying for you. And on your way out, would you high five someone Speak to someone, get to know somebody, get reacquainted with somebody you haven't seen in a while. God bless you. You are dismissed. Good to see you, brother.